1: But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a
0: big group. We record everything, so there's no bs and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we a, hit the record button? I forgot to hit the <laughs> record button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org.
1: The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Ops, making outdoor energy and performance nutrition to make you a stronger and healthier elk hunter. They have a full line of hunting-related supplements, including meal replacement shakes, multivitamins, pre-workout fuel and post-workout recovery, and my favorite, their new Performance Protein Bars that, by the way, are packed with 270 calories and 20 grams of protein, but contain less than 6 grams of sugar. Visit mountainops.com to learn more and to order, and be sure to use the promo code ELKTALK to save on your next order.
0: The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, Go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the gator premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods, and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have.
1: And we have a promo code for Gerber as well. Just use the code ELKTALK to save 20% on your orders at gerbergear.com. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15%
0: on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. The Insider is changing how hunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code Elk Talk, and when you do, when you sign up for the Insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop.
1: Lastly, the University of Elk Hunting online course is a proud partner of the Elk Talk podcast. And within the University of Elk Hunting online course, you're going to find nearly 60 chapters organized in 17 modules of elk hunting instruction aimed at making you a more successful elk hunter. From planning and e-scouting to calling strategies and packing, Every imaginable elk hunting topic is included in the online course, and regardless of your previous elk hunting experience or success, I'm confident the University of Elk Hunting online course will make you a more confident, more successful elk hunter. Just visit elk101.com and use the promo code ELKTALK to save 20% when you sign up for a membership to the University of Elk Hunting online course.
0: And with that, Corey, we are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. Hey Corey, how are you doing in Idaho today? I am doing wonderful. How are things in Montana? Are you in Montana? I'm in Montana. I got back from Alaska, uh, sleeping in a wet, soggy tent for, well, it almost looked like I was doing a Corey and Donnie elk hunt other than (laughs) we 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 didn't have a big elk to carry off the mountain. Nobody in our camp was Passing world class sized kidney stones, <laughs> and uh, but we flew over the island of your Alaska elk hunt on our way oh, yeah? out to this, out to this island, and uh, I asked the pilot, Doug, I'm like, "You ever fly any elk hunters in over to that island?" He's like, "Those elk are just way the hell up there," he said, and uh, and there's only this little lake he can get in and out of. You better have your stuff dialed in if you're going to do that. I said, Well does that mean you you don't fly hunters in there? He said, I don't want to deal with people who are frustrated, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so uh that was his answer as to how many elk hunters he flies into that island. He doesn't <laughs> he said, That's an exercise. He said, I've lived here all my life. He said, I I, I grew up right in the shadow of that. And I don't apply for an elk tag there. <laughs> he just shook his head and laughed in the headphones as the motor of the plane is vibrating. He's just looking like, who would do something like that? So uh, <laughs> I told him, I said, uh, well, a good friend of mine got flown in there and he actually arrowed an elk opening day way up on top. And then he smiled and said something to the effect of, boy, I bet you that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that
1: his assessment was
0: in alignment with mine. Uh, yeah, I think if you would have called him to fly you in, you might have had to look for a new pilot. Yeah, I think he would have <laughs> declined your your opportunity for business. But uh, uh. <clears throat> yeah, have you heard from many people who applied for that tag this year who said, Corey, what should I do? Not many.
1: (laughs) No? I've had a couple uh, that drew the rifle tag there, and I told them, basically, I have no clue where they go from the research I gathered. They go into the thick stuff, and they're hard to find, but... I'm not going to be mm-hmm. much help because I had I had one day of experience with live elk in Alaska, and that was it. So,
0: <laughs> not the best one, one day of experience with live elk results in about four days of experience with dead part elk or parts of dead elk. Then, right? That is absolutely the truth. <laughs> the four to one ratio of Alaska, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, Colorado elk results came out. I did a live event uh, Tuesday night, and someone asked me, hey, did you or Corey draw elk in Colorado? And I said, yeah, Corey did. And then I'm like, oops, I don't know if I was supposed to say that. (laughs) And fortunately, one of the live event members... Two minutes later, said, "Oh no, Corey posted on his Instagram or something. You're good." I'm like, <laughs> "Boy, I don't, I don't want to be that guy who no one can trust with the, you know, important information." So I, I was a little worried there, but, no, nope, you're
1: good. I I, yeah. I, I posted it and even posted the unit that I drew and, really, I a lot of, yeah, I got a lot of slack for that one. <laughs> uh oh, well, Nicholas, there was a much it private. years. Part. Well, yeah, it yeah. took 18 years to draw it. It's not like yeah. me posting it is going to make it take a lot more because there's only a handful of people with that many points. And yeah, well, like
0: you said, the private land is yeah the big issue. It. But nothing for a man of your talent. I, I, I not that I need to see the, uh, your e-scouting plan, but it ought to make for an interesting e-scouting plan when you got. Elk that are moving across a landscape that is mostly private. Yeah. What's, what What's the strategy in a hunt like that?
1: You know, honestly, there's there's really only two places you can you can hunt in the unit. You know, right in the middle, there's a section of national forest, and then you've got BLM surrounding all the private. But um, my my research so far has shown that. Uh, it's been very dry down there the last few years, and yep. that's caused all the elk to go onto the private, which is where the water is. So Ooh. finding the water on the public is going to be a, a huge part of it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the national forest part of it is the most desirable. You know, it's timber and elk yeah. country. So I think that gets a lot of pressure. So, yeah, I'm going to... I mean, I'm going to look at all of it for sure, but I'm going to try to find some little hidden pockets maybe that get overlooked and are hard to get into. The The scousins who've been on destination elk the last couple of years, they hunted that unit a few years back, and they had some ideas of where to go to get a long ways away from people and
0: get into a few mm-hmm. elks. So. Wow, wow. 18 points, Corey. That's, you know, you add up. What that cost each year to build the point, or you know, in the last few years we've had to buy the non-resident. What do they call it? The minimum license or something like that. Yeah, small game license. Yeah, a hundred bucks a point now, in essence for elk. So, in addition to your tag costs and your time and everything you're going to put into that, eighteen years of being diligent. That's uh, that's an investment you've made. It was, yeah. It's kind of almost, you
1: know, I'd I'd say drawing that tag when I found out was almost a, a bittersweet feeling. It was, <laughs> you that? know, I mean, it's it's just eighteen points. Oh my gosh! Now I feel all this pressure, and it's pressure. not like any, yeah. yeah, it's not like pressure, like somebody's putting pressure on me to be successful. It's just like, man, I've I've never even applied for elk. I've just built points, and now that I drew it, it's. <laughs> Am I really sure I want to go? But <laughs>
0: I think this uh, is the
1: year, you know, the, the moon, the fall equinox, everything's land. I mean, there's gonna be just a really, really good rut this year, I think, based on the dates and the moon phase. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'll be down there. Sure. I think I think we're planning the uh like the third week or so. Uh, okay, like that's
0: fifteenth through twenty fourth somewhere in there. Okay, that was my going to be my question, because when the Colorado results came out, which happened just after our last podcast, we got this whole flurry of Colorado questions, which some of the questions today might be those that we got, and one of the first questions was, "I'm going to Colorado archery over the counter because I didn't draw. What week should I go? Should I go during the, <laughs> the muzzleloader season? Should I?" It's like, go whenever you feel is best. All right.
1: Yeah, I always. I actually, I, I actually wrote a wrote an article on Elk 101 about the best week to hunt, and oh, yeah? you know you. Colorado always throws a wrench in there, that that muzzleloader season that falls right in the prime time. And yeah. so the question is, is it better to go before the muzzleloader season when there's no pressure? Is it better to go during the muzzleloader season? Is Are the muzzleloader hunters going to have that much of an effect? Or is it better to go after the muzzleloader season, knowing that the dates and the moon and everything are good, but the elk are going to have been pressured from the muzzleloader hunters and... Like you said, you just kind of have to weigh all of those things, trying to figure out how many muzzleloader hunters there are in that unit, and uh, you know, just kind of weigh weigh each of the pros and the
0: cons. Yeah. So, are these elk gonna be migratory or non-migratory elk? Do you know? I Does think they will somewhere? be.
1: I think so. I think they're migratory okay. elk. Uh, I don't know okay. how far, you know, or how. how big of a deal it is, but yeah, I think there's definitely a movement in there.
0: Yeah, because, you know, with all this drought stuff, you you referred to it, but these elk uh, on, say, more arid country like Colorado might have in some of these areas, those elk disperse horizontally based on not necessarily the availability of water, but where the moisture has created greener forage yeah and then if you get you know if all of a sudden it starts raining today and rains for the next you know off and on and they have a great monsoon there all of a sudden you'll have forage everywhere and they they won't be in these tight little pockets in high densities like in a drought year all of a sudden they'll be dispersed everywhere because they can take advantage of of habitat pretty much equally across the landscape and so It'll be interesting to see what happens between now and your hunt, and how you how you pull that off.
1: Yeah, no, and so. that's I mean, moisture is obviously the key. I and I don't know if they've been getting like we have. You know, Montana, Idaho, we've been getting just pounded with moisture this year. Yeah, I'm not sure how the the west side of Colorado is looking, but like you said, it's mm. those summer monsoons, really, that a lot of times once you get a little bit more in that southern latitude it's the summer monsoons that make the bigger difference because it does it just it creates that feed and that's what i'm hoping for is that there's some some water off of the private land to create some feed so the elk don't feel like they have to be so concentrated and
0: yeah you know one thing that i've i've encountered as i've been working on my e-scouting series that's going to release later this summer is Going back through all the questions that I've received and then our elk talk questions, uh, I don't think I've done a good enough job in my explanation of things to emphasize that when you're hunting the rifle seasons of post rut and late season, your e scouting plan should be on specific spots like this rock, this little drainage, this little canyon, whatever. Whereas when you're hunting, or or e-scouting for pre-rut, peak rut, it's kind of like here are general areas. You you know, this little basin or this little da-da-da probably has the things cow elk are looking for and that will attract bulls. It's it's not like in these archery seasons, you're sitting on a rock and glassing. And so you want to have more general areas and move uh, as the elk are moving in back and forth using those areas and so i'm trying to figure out how do you explain that e-scouting and archery seasons are probably e-scouting for general areas and general patterns and e-scouting and rifle seasons are like looking for this little spot on the spot as i call it And i gotta yep. i gotta figure out how to communicate that better uh, i I can't even explain it Go down a podcast how the heck am i gonna I explain know. it good in a video <laughs>
1: That sounded pretty good to me.
0: Uh, oh. <laughs> 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 oh. You know what they say, to get to know your subject matter better, try to teach it. Uh, hey, oh, and, boy. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. And that kind of gets to your University of Outgunning course. Not to divert from the rest of our Colorado questions, but you got a big promo coming up for that?
1: Yeah. We uh you know, every summer we try to do a big gear giveaway promo and we've got that kicking off uh the end of June and running through July first. So mm. uh so. yeah. we we've got uh over twelve thousand dollars in elk hunting gear we're giving away.
0: Ooh. Do now, I
1: qualify? Uh well I don't no. think so. You wouldn't You wouldn't let me enter the uh, Win a Free Elk Hunt with Randy sweepstakes, so I'm going to have to say no.
0: Uh, I kind of knew that. But I just wanted to make sure that the audience understood that uh, it's not like this is a friends and family sort of sweepstakes. <laughs> and, uh, but, so they go to University of Elk or No, elk101.com? Is that yep, where they sign up? Yeah, go to Elk101, and uh, there will be a,
1: a big – banner on the homepage, and there will be a landing page you can go to and get all the details, and yeah, we're cool. going to uh, some some big stuff, like hmm. cool, cool prizes, not just a bunch of elk calls, but bows and guns and sleeping bags and packs. Guns? And,
0: well, guns? You know. Corey Jacobson? I, uh, you, you're giving away <laughs> firearms? Of well, course.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm diversifying. Oh, well, I mean, flying. I... I
0: <laughs> okay, I'm I'm all about firearms. I mean, if if there's a, if people will email me, "Hey, should I buy a new rifle? I got this new tag or this tag I drew this year." And my first answer always is, "You probably don't need to, but let me tell you why it's good to have more firearms rather than less firearms." <laughs> <laughs> it's a good always. Thing. I never yeah, I never want to get in the way of somebody who wants to buy a new firearm. I mean Or win a <laughs> new firearm. Oh well there yeah, see that's even better, yet. So University of Alcony, go there, learn because Corey had to teach this and uh I'm sure they'll pick up tidbits and or maybe lots of stuff depending on what their their experience is. So yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you wanna know what I drew in Colorado? Uh, well, I didn't hear of anything.
1: So yeah. What did you draw in Colorado?
0: I think I drew a preference point. (laughs) (laughs) Is is that a drawing now you have to draw Uh, a preference point? Ah, yeah, I think so. Every, nobody in our crew drew anything in Colorado for, uh, Mark, Marcus drew a deer tag, but, uh, so that's just how it goes, you know? so uh. Colorado is has all these over-the-counter hunts, and it always becomes the fallback. So we've been getting a lot of comments about, hey, I didn't draw. I'm going there for second rifle, or I'm going there for archery, or I'm going there for third rifle, or whatever. And If ever there's a time when hunting pressure, if you're going to learn about using hunting pressure to your advantage, go to one of the Colorado over-the-counter hunts. Boy, Yo, isn't that it, the truth? you will quickly learn how to use hunting pressure to your advantage. But every year yeah. there are people who go there and figure it out. So I I never want to discourage anyone from doing it. Um, we've, we've been down there. I think we've filmed that hunt four times or five times over the counter. We've shot two bulls. My brother shot a tree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to throw that little barb in for my brother. Uh, and then one uh, we didn't. We didn't hardly see any elk, but uh, so they are there. You just got to put together a plan and work hard at it. And if ever there's a hunt where I, say, you know, you often have heard me say, you got to have your opening day plan and then your rest of the season plan because when the shooting starts, things change. Yep. Colorado, at least for the rifle season, second, third over-the-counter rifle. That's kind of where I came up with that motto of don't do on the third day that which you did on the first day because <laughs> it's <laughs> these elk are like whoop I remember what day it is let me get the heck out of here so but <clears throat> Colorado sure it, it, you know any you, you think about all the non-resident resident hunting that Colorado supports one of the, especially elk one of the things that's on my radar i don't know what will come of it but they are doing uh what do you call them focus groups or study groups and possibly i think their department might even be putting a committee together to discuss and evaluate the allocation of resident and non-resident tags
1: so Mm. yeah yeah i i saw i think i got an email and was asked to answer some questions uh based on being a non-resident hunter, and there were a lot of leading questions that made me feel that there was something probably on the horizon.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, if Colorado cranks down its non-resident allocation, which uh, in full disclosure, if I live there, that's what I'd be, you know. I'm like, you know, I don't mind having some non-residents here, but do we have to have... You know, I think in some of the over-the-counter over hunts, over half of the hunters are non-residents. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so I think even with uh, the uh, non uh, the limited entry draw hunts, I'm trying to remember, I think so for some species, I think it's 20%. For some species, I think it's 35%, which yep. is super generous because your state and my state, it's up to 10%. Up to,
1: not a set aside of 10% (laughs) either.
0: If you happen to get lucky and the
1: odds are in your favor, we will give you up to that many.
0: Yeah, so I I suggest that people be paying attention to that because, you know, Colorado is the first state that started a preference point system. And so it's the oldest system out there. I think now it's been in place for 33 or 34 years. So it's kind of the track record and the trend lines you can look to, to see what other preference point systems are probably going to do. And Wyoming is very much following the Colorado line. And Wyoming system, I think this was the 17th year that they just, you know, they just finished up the draws. So, it's about where Colorado was and when people talk about point creep. Well, look at Colorado and it'll kinda tell you what Wyoming is gonna be like. So yep. keep well, your you eye look, on. That. I mean
1: you you see the general tag in Wyoming and what it's done, you know, yep. how hard it is to draw now. Um, yep. and that's I mean Colorado was all over the counter you know wyoming the general tag is over the counter for residents it's as close to over the counter as you you get for a non-resident and then montana's got the general license that's kind of the same thing it's over the counter for residents used to be pretty much over the counter for non-residents but now it's taken longer and yeah i think over-the-counter opportunities are
0: getting fewer and farther between And if Colorado starts cranking that down, I'm just telling people, have a plan. Have a contingency of, you know, what you're going to be doing. And uh, Wyoming has their, it's called the Wyoming Wildlife Task Force. And earlier this winter or this spring, they approved the proposal to reduce the non-resident allocation of what they call the big five, which is moose, goat, sheep, bison, and grizzly bear, even though there are no grizzly bear tags, <laughs> but they're included in that. Uh, they reduced that from 25% to non-residents down to 10%. So that passed. Now the task force is still meeting. And two weeks ago, they threw out, kind of came out of left field uh, this 90-10 for deer, elk, and antelope. And as part of that, the Wyoming Outfitter and Guide Association says, yeah, we're on board with that if you give us half of the non-resident tag allocation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: We already get all of the wilderness in the state. Now we want half of the non-resident tags that are already being cut in half.
0: Yeah, so uh, if you are so inclined, folks, you might want to politely and professionally Google. Well, well, first Google Wyoming Wildlife Task Force. It has all the members there. If you do respond to them, be as professional and articulate as you can and explain to them that, you know, whatever they do with the non-resident Ninety ten, 10 or leave it as eighty twenty, wherever they're at you know elk they're with at eighty four sixteen, and if you w- don't like the idea of half or i think the number's been bouncing around 40 to 50 percent of the non-resident tags would go through outfitters if that does not appeal to you maybe you want to send an email i've sent my emails a lot of my friends have sent emails and uh so i i say that to give a picture i started with colorado and you helped me in this illustration i'm trying to paint by showing or, or talking about how the general tag has gotten harder and harder to draw and uh in wyoming well if you imagine us being cut down from 16 percent right now as non-residents to uh, uh with no outfitter set aside to ten percent with up to half of that going to outfitters that's a really small portion left oh my for goodness. those of us yeah and here's the other thing that I I track this stuff and when I post it out on my forum I'm always surprised at how people are like what and here's what it is Wyoming had 150,000 non-residents in their elk system between those who applied this year with no points and those who have points. There's 150,000 non-residents. Only 29,000 of them actually applied for a tag in Wyoming this year. Wow. So the other 80% are just point buyers. So in a state that gives away 7,250 non-resident elk tags by statute, you don't have to be a mechanical engineer like Corey or an accountant like Randy <laughs> to do the math and say, well, there's still, okay, let's say they <laughs> 150,000, 7,200 of them drew this year. So that leaves 140, let's round it to 143,000 people still in the Wyoming system. Wow. At 7,250 tags a year, there's 19 years worth of people in the Wyoming system right now. And the overwhelming majority of them aren't even applying. They're just buying points. Yeah. And that's Wyoming's preference point state. So that means you're guaranteed
1: when you have the most points. So 150,000 people already in there. That means for somebody just starting right now.
0: It's not looking good. Yeah. So my point is pay attention, folks, to the actual number of point buyers because that gives you some predictability of what the point creep is going to be. Yeah. And a lot of these people have been in it kind of like, you know, you said you've been buying points in Colorado for 18 years and this is the first time you applied. That is what you're seeing in Wyoming. A huge number of these double-digit point holders aren't even applying, so they're not showing up in last year's draw results. So don't be surprised when these people who've been in it for 15, you know, this year it'll be, well, after this year's draw, the max will be 17 points. When those people jump off the sidelines, don't be surprised because they've been there for a long time. You just haven't been looking at them. And, uh so, and then if they mm. change things in, in Wyoming, they, the draw, odds are just, well, they're going to change accordingly. So, well, and you just
1: look if they're, if we're talking, what would you say, 7,200 tags or whatever set aside for yep. non residents? Yep. If that gets cut from, we're at 16% now yep. that non residents get, if that goes to 10, so that's, uh, so, I don't know. You do the math on that, but yeah. Well, here's the thing.
0: Yeah. And so we get 16% of the limited entry tags. And then anything needed to get up to the 7,250 gets thrown in the pot as general tags. Gotcha. So, but they're changing that. They're, this task force I'm talking about. I think they already passed the idea to get rid of the Wyoming general tag and they're going to make it a region type tag like we have for deer like you know if you apply for region A for deer you're up in those units in the northeast corner if you apply for region W for deer you're down in the south central part so it sounds like they're going to switch the non-resident tag to that and their the non-resident general tag And they're going to get rid of the cap of 7250 And it's just going to be whatever number of tags each region is supposed to have, general tags. So I'm just trying to give the audience the heads up that, you know, (laughs) we talk about inflation, right? Right now we're at the highest inflation in however many decades financial inflation well when these states start changing these allocations there's a huge inflation bite to your point totals yeah which is why i am not a big fan of holding on to points i i burn them as quick as i can because i know they're worth more today than they will be next year yeah so but huh. hey you Sorry to depress you. I was I say, know, how, man. How, how did I get on this tangent when we started talking about Colorado alcohol? I have no
1: well. Colorado's just
0: heading down the the path yeah. of probably going to you know yeah. limited hunts and yeah. Well, Colorado's population, kind of like your state, is growing so fast that I don't know what uh, they're they're really going to have no choice but to eventually address that issue yeah absolutely i I mean colorado's growing super fast idaho as a percentage wise has grown faster than colorado montana's growing pretty fast but not as fast as those two states wyoming is the laggard they're hardly growing at all maybe we should all move to wyoming (laughs) <laughs> All of our Wyoming listeners are like, get the heck no. out of here. <laughs> what kind of stupid idea was that, Denver? <laughs> the, the good thing about
1: Wyoming is there are a lot of benefits to live in there. You
0: know? mm-hmm. No state from income tax, tax.
1: Yeah, from a tax standpoint, uh, cost of living standpoint, the very liberal hunting opportunities for residents, uh, yeah. really good hunting quality for a lot of the species but there's only one one big problem and that is it is so cold and windy there (laughs) in the winters (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how anybody could i mean i would seriously consider moving to wyoming just you know it's a good state but
0: yeah. It's too cold. <laughs> yeah, I I suspect there's a lot of people who sucker their spouse into moving to Wyoming and after the first winter it's there's a for sale sign out on the <laughs> out on the new house. <laughs> but but you know what the Wyoming listeners are saying right now? They're like, "You hear that? Corey and Randy are trying to get everybody to move to Wyoming instead of <laughs> Idaho or Montana." Uh now i i don't you know wherever people end up it's just a reality that the inner mountain west is having a huge population boom so yeah. that that increase in hunting by by residents is going to have some changes to what gets allocated to non-residents i just, i just don't see any way around that yep yeah. so but <clears throat> And I was on my list. I did have a Colorado over-the-counter hunt planned if I didn't draw there. But then my son Matthew ended up with a really good Wyoming uh, mule deer tag that took max points. So those dates were a complication to the -the over-the-counter elk idea in Colorado. So Colorado will have to put up with me next year because now I have, I think I I have two or three points. Um, two, I think. Yeah. And I'm going to try for a first season rifle hunt in Colorado, even though it's, it's not a, you know, something where you're going to see big bulls or anything. There's just yeah. a lot fewer people in the woods. <laughs> and that is, that's fine. Yeah. Cause it's limited entry. So, yep. but, uh, when are you guys in Idaho going to draw your, your elk deer and antelope stuff? Cause I'm, I'm waiting you know, this is my year. I passed on moose in Idaho this year. I went back to deer, elk, and antelope. Oh, so, did you? So yeah. So you probably draw something then. I doubt it. I never have before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, do you know uh, when? It's someone usually, told me like July 2nd or 3rd or something. Well, I think July 7th or 5th or 10th or something is their date when they say they'll have the results out by... Yeah. Um, I've seen it as early as you know June twenty second or so in the in the past. Oh. So, huh. no, the you last last, last year or two they've been they've been a little slower.
0: Oh, okay. I was going to say, you heard it here, folks. Corey Jacobson promised you you'll have your Idaho Idaho results by June twenty second. <laughs> and here's his email yeah exactly <laughs> go ahead and get a hold of him if if you don't see results find out from him <laughs> uh, well i will be in idaho for an outcome this year not oh, yeah? of my own tag oh you guys have this thing called super tags or whatever it's called <laughs> super Wait, is it super tag or super super tags yeah yeah. So my buddy of 30 some years, Scott Jones from Washoe Valley, Nevada, drew one of your elk super tags. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a, so that's he, a pretty good deal. Yeah. I knew he was having his other knee replaced. And uh, the moral of that story is don't be a mono or uh, a mogul skier, because yeah. by the time you get to 60, both knees will be replaced. <laughs> so, he texts me while I'm at the airport in Petersburg, Alaska, like, you aren't going to believe this. I'm kind of met, over-medicated today, so I hope that I understood this when they called me. But they told me that I I have a super tag for elk. I'm like, Scott, call him back after you're done with your <laughs> meds. You, sure. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just had your knee replaced yesterday. I'm sure the painkillers are causing you to fantasize about something. Well he did text me on monday and said no for for reals I, I i got it so wow i uh those are rare i mean oh man have you have you have you ever had like a statewide governor's elk tag like that no never. no i never have I, I never will i, I would love I mean, one. Oh yeah i mean uh, <laughs> so i'm gonna wherever scott decides to go uh I'll get to be in your fine state this fall. Oh, hoping be hoping cool. I get to pack out an elk, I'll be like, Scott, take it easy on those new knees. You need it for mogul skiing. <laughs> Do you ski, Corey? Uh, I have skied my whole life.
1: Uh, I haven't skied in the last two winters. And the reason is mm. I just, I, I, I don't. I'm not a hardcore skier. I don't love Uh it. It's just something that's like, yeah, it's fun to go and do once in a while. And you you get to my age and you start thinking about ACLs and (laughs) other things that can really slow down and have a pretty major impact on your outdoor activities for the rest of your life. So between that and coaching basketball, I just, I don't have a lot of time and don't have a lot of passion for it. So I haven't been, and I don't know if I'll, I'll go again
0: yeah well when you get to be my age you don't know how many seasons you got left so why would you risk one of those few seasons you got left doing something like skiing i mean that's right up there with golf you know (laughs) except for i don't know how badly you're gonna get hurt in golf he might get run over by one of the motorized shopping carts or something. I got there <laughs> or golf carts. I guess shopping cart, golf cart, same thing. I guess, I guess in Walmart, they're, they're the same thing. You know, every, it seems like every shopping cart in Walmart is motorized, but uh, <laughs> so <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> <I> could, <laughs> but, uh, so I don't know. I had Scott, he, he's a tough guy, man. He he'll be up there. New needs. Doesn't matter to him. He'll, he's not going to miss this one for anything. No, that's so. cool. But it'll be interesting. To see where he decides to go. I'm. Yeah. I'm going to be. You know, I, I I know a few guys who live in Idaho, but none of them are sharing information at this point. So really. Yeah. I know. I I texted information. In, okay. Um, <laughs> But so uh, what else we got on our list? We got a whole bunch of things here that we were going to talk about you've been uh have you been shooting your bow a lot? when do you start I mean, one guy asked uh, asked a question about how what's our summer off season routine look like? You've been shooting your bow? I have yeah Oh, really, huh yeah, not as I,
1: much as I would like to, and as I usually do, but it's still you know i I've, I've been. Getting after it a bit. I've been shooting guns a little bit too.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. I saw you on your Instagram page. You won a trophy down at the Sig shooting yeah. or whatever. Yeah, we went uh, to the who, Sig. Who was on Hunter your team? Game. That's that's oh, kind of like goodness. if you had me on a golf a golf or and played baseball. Not a single one of my hits would be counted towards the the score. So. <laughs>
1: well we uh we did have teams they were four-man teams and really cool concept uh it's basically like the total archery challenge but for rifle you put a backpack on with everything you need for the day and you have a team and you head out and they have stages set up Uh, you have to hike it was about 13 miles a day and uh yeah and then you know some of the stages they make you grab 200 pounds worth of sandbags and shuttle them from the one station to the next station about a mile. So you can split that between your four guys in the group. And they had one of them that was a a relay. You had to sprint a hundred yards. And then once you hit the target, you had to go to the back of the line and the next guy sprinted a hundred yards to the rifle and shot and just a lot of fun stuff. But I was, uh, I was teamed up with Bert Soren who uh, he's the, President, CEO of Soranex Gym Equipment. And mm-hmm. I think he's won like the Highland Games. and.
0: Oh, you know, he's, yeah. One of those guys who drives a desk for 11, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't
1: know if he, uh, he... He's a very, very strong person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kendall Gray, who has a, a huge YouTube following. He's 21, young kid, and... Uh, has like 1.7 million subscribers on YouTube. He was huh. uh, a part of our team. And then uh, the UFC legend, Hoist Gracie was on our Jeez. team. Yeah. Wow. So I, you wow. know, I th- I really think I, we shot pretty good, but I'm pretty sure, you know, Hoist just kept saying he was going to choke everyone out. And so I think that the <laughs> the guys with the trophies were afraid that if we didn't win, that was going to happen. So I think yeah. they just gave us the, the first place trophy, but huh. no, it was uh, a lot of fun. It's, it's timed, you know, the hiking is timed, the shooting's timed. So there's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's just, it, it was a lot of fun. And that, I can't say enough about that group of guys that I got to shoot with. We just, we clicked and shot hmm. really well together.
0: Cool. Uh, a lot of teamwork there. Yeah. So it sounds like a good replication of, you know, maybe more of a hunting situation for shooting rather than just going out to the range and and plinking at a target.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to do. You know, you show up out of breath from hiking and uh, especially those stations where you have to carry weight or sprint, and they had a couple. Of pist- they had a pistol station where they had 20 targets that were set up out both sides of a trail, and you had to walk along the trail, and and that was the other thing. These they're animal targets, and so you have to spot them. You know, when you have your allotted time to shoot, they say go, and you have to go and find those targets uh, within you know like a 60 yard line between two flags you're you're free to move along that line but you have to spot the target and then you have to find a place to get set up where you can actually see it and they hit them you know behind aspens and behind logs and made it as much like a a real hunting situation
0: as they could Hmm. well they have that thing called the uh national rifle league hunting series sounds similar to that yeah. I'm, I've been invited to go do that. Uh, Mike and, uh, oh, what's his wife's name? Uh, Keely, uh, they're on the, the shooting team at Loopold. They've been, they, they do that circuit. In fact, they're heavily involved and they're like, Randy, as much as you miss, you ought to come shoot this. Uh, they're more polite than that Uh, so are there other things you do in the off season to kind of replicate that that Uh, you know i go to
1: yeah i go to as many uh 3d archery shoots as i can and you know very similar where you're hiking around and judging Mm -hmm. distance and shooting steep angles and and everything um, sure. I will say my, my physical conditioning that I've been really, uh, paying attention to more this year, you know, even since last hunting season definitely paid off. It was, uh, really? you know, I, yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at, uh, where I am fitness wise, conditioning wise right now, uh, with still time to go before season. So,
0: wow, I'm, I'm going to, this is confession, I've been home maybe a week since the first of May, and my physical conditioning looks like an accountant. Man. Well, yeah. Well, you still have time. I know. I got to get with it. In fact, I told my wife because it's, they quit raining here today when I just home for lunch. I'm like, darling, don't expect to see much of me in the evenings. I got to get back on my hiking schedule. So I don't Very know what cool. she said. I didn't hear. It. She said something, but you know, selective like hearing. But uh, speaking of hearing, uh, one of our members has asked: Is there a specific cow estrus sound that sounds that, or sound, sound or sounds that the cows use during the rut? And if so, what does it sound like? Sounds ah. to me like this person should go sign up for your course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a, an
1: estrus cry that the cows use to communicate to the bulls that they are in estrus and ready to be bred. And uh, yeah, I go through, there's a, a whole section on what that sound means and how to replicate it. It's it's definitely a more complicated sound to make. Uh, it's not the one that we saw on... TV shows and hunting videos for several years there that was, you know, uh, probably more of a marketing ploy than an actual (laughs) biological sound that, you know, here's a product that will make this sound and we're going to call it the estrus sound, but um, they do actually, they have a, a distinct sound and I've used it with some luck. You know, I think the bulls know when it's time for the cows to come into estrus, so they get a little bit... Uh, wary if they hear it outside of those uh, time frames but during the right time uh, a bull knows what that means and when a cow is saying she's ready to be bred it can be pretty effective to
0: bring bulls in but hmm. yeah well if they go there go to elk101.com sign up use promo yeah, code elk talk. i was just gonna do say do you have a, you have a promo, the promo code, code. for him? For the University of
1: Elk Yeah,
0: elk talk. Yeah, okay. All right. So then we got a bunch of other people asking questions about blood trailing. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to answer some of these because, to me, tracking is so specific to that situation and that, you know, what the hit was, where the, you know, how the elk responded, what the terrain is, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm not sure how we answer some of these questions that are in the pile of blood trailing, but you got any general concepts you'd throw to that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important, and I think a lot of times we forget about that because at the moment of the shot, there's so much adrenaline, so many things going on that we get really excited, but, you know, a couple things that are important, if you can see where you hit, that's going to help with tracking and blood trailing for sure. Uh, and then watch and see what direction the animal goes. Because I have, I, you know, even myself sometimes, we'll shoot an animal, we'll shoot an elk, and it'll run down the hill. And then we'll go down there to look for an arrow or look for blood. And it's like, ah, which tree was he by? You know, where did he go? And we'll spend a lot of time just trying to pick up that initial track in in some terrain. So, you know, seeing yeah. where your arrow hits or if you can see where, where the impact is and then watch really closely the direction they're going and, you know, mark a couple landmarks. He ran right by that rock over there. I'm going to remember that rock. So when I do start following the blood trail, I know right where to go and I can find a track and hopefully there'll be some blood there. Uh, but I always wait a minimum of a half an hour, unless he falls over in sight, uh, wow. I wait a minimum of a half an hour. And if I think, mm-hmm. man, that was a good shot right behind the shoulders, I'll go up at that point and look around for blood, look for my arrow, look for blood, not start tracking yet, but just you know, kind of looking around. And usually it takes 15, 20 minutes to kind of sort out the the shot location and which direction he's going and how much blood there is. And at that point, you know, you can decide whether you want to continue or not. But the last thing you want to do, elk are tough animals. And the last thing you want to do is just take off walking after them and bump them. You know, a hundred yards out, they go out there and they're feeling sick and might even bed down. And you go out there and bump an elk and throw a whole bunch of adrenaline into him. And they can go a long way even uh, with a hole in two lungs, I've seen them go several hundred yards. And so you always want to make sure and give them, give them time to get out there and die so you don't risk bumping them. And Because, you know, especially with like a shot that's back in the guts or somewhere where you aren't getting a lot of blood, yeah. you know, they're still going to, they, they're probably going to die and you'll probably be able to find them. But if you bump them... They're going to run a long ways and you might not have any blood to continue tracking and I think that leads to a lot of a lot of the animals that you hear about that end up getting lost.
0: yeah well, I know it's hard to be patient like that when the adrenaline and the excitement, but I would tell people actually look at a, a watch or your phone and keep time because you'll think you've waited. 30, 40 minutes, and you've only waited eight or 10. <laughs>
1: <laughs> In that moment, especially, yeah, time does not go by quickly.
0: Yeah. So, I, <clears throat> that's, uh, yeah, the, for me, the, if, I don't care if it's rifle, if it's, you know, archery, uh, and even any species, it's like, all right, just take a few deep breaths here, Andy. Let's wait and see. Listen, see if you hear anything, especially right after the shot. You know, you hear something thrashing, falling down. Make yeah. mental note of that because if you do end up losing the track, there's no scuff marks, no blood, usually that sound is a pretty good direction to, to first look before you start hitting the panic button if you haven't been able to find the track. So, yeah. But, all right. Then we got a person who said, hey, my unit in Arizona is on fire will these elk move far or will they just move a little ways? In other words, should I hunt far away from the fire or should I hunt the areas adjacent to where the burn boundary is? Hmm. Is it a I rifle
1: know. tag, archery tag, did they say?
0: He didn't say. Okay. So oh. for me, uh, I hunt right adjacent to it. My experience is that elk don't get displaced 10 miles from a fire, you know, and I don't know, it's June. So if you get a strong monsoon season in Arizona, uh, say starts picking up in July, August, you will have some regrowth in that fire. But the reason, uh, the biggest reason I hunt the edges is one it's close to bedding cover, and two, that's the lower intensity portions of the fire is where the boundary is, where the you know where it burned versus didn't burn, and those are the places that are going to have that really good forage pop up way quicker than in the middle of the burn. So, yeah, uh, if if an accountant can make that observation, I'm pretty sure the elk <laughs> have figured that out. <laughs> so they, they know where that better forage is. So I yep. to to that question one hope it stops burning, hope it starts raining, and uh, I'd hunt nearby. Would you change how you're doing that for archery compared to how I'd do it for rifle? No, that's uh, you hit it right on. The
1: elk usually don't get too displaced, and it's usually not too hard to find them. Yeah, I mean, if there's an active major fire going on, you don't want to be anywhere near it, but by September, they're going to have that fire out. And, you know, we hunted in Colorado several years ago on an over-the-counter tag, and that place, it burned in, I think, same thing, June. And we got in there in the very end of August. We hunted opening day in Colorado, which back then was like August 26th, 27th, something that year. Uh and it was there was grass that was two to three feet tall, you know, just green, luscious grass because they had gotten so much rain in July and August that it did. And the elk were all over in there, you know. That burns are good, good attractors for elk anyway. You throw a whole bunch of green grass in the middle of a burn, and elk will be all yeah. over it.
0: Well, I, you know, I'm a little bit in panic mode with uh, Idaho southwest montana western wyoming getting all this moisture because it's i've never seen as much vegetation in the mountains as we have right now but if it stops raining and it gets like it did last summer no precip in the last half of june and july and august it's just grown a whole lot more fuel for the fires to burn Yep, absolutely fingers fingers crossed here but yeah
1: how uh how are the what's the flood situation over
0: where you are? Yeah, you know, here in Bozeman we didn't get it but just 26 miles over the hill Livingston got the Yellowstone goes through there it's it's a 1 in 500 year flood they're saying it's it's devastating it is. It's beyond what the eye could have imagined. It's yeah. uh, those Listening, probably saw it on TV over the last few days. Uh, Yellowstone Park, the north entrance from Gardner to Mammoth. I don't know. It'll be years before they can rebuild that through, through the canyon there. Uh, houses washed away. Property washed away. I know we lost two bridges on the Yellowstone. Uh, there's another one that I think is being abandoned, even though it wasn't lost. Uh, so... A lot of tragedy there for the lives of people that are going to be disrupted for a long, long time. And if you are coming out elk hunting, uh, if you are one of those people who hunt some of these areas south of Livingston, check out to see which roads are still intact before you get here because one one of the bridges that crosses the Yellowstone and takes you up into some of the prime country there washed away it's a big iron bridge and it's now in the bottom of the yellowstone river so uh, pay attention if you are coming out to that but it's i don't know it's one of those things it just wakes you up and uh, like i was saying on my out talk live event uh tuesday night it just makes me feel so lucky that i wasn't impacted by it personally even though i know people who are uh and it shows you just how blessed you are when your life is kind of normal. When you see other places of the world, like New Mexico, dealing with all these fires now, parts of Montana from Livingston almost to Billings dealing with all these floods, and you know, it's like, man, I am lucky. I I live the bl- live a blessed life. Um, yeah. So, but. <laughs> I, uh, I don't have a solution to that other than you know pitch in and help and make donations. I think at the Total Archery Challenge in Big Sky next month, I think there's going to be a fundraiser uh, for the the relief group that are are helping over there. So yeah. if you come up for that, uh, I guess I'll see you there. You, you aren't going to make me you aren't going to make me shoot with you again this year, are you? <laughs> what? You make it sound like that's a bad thing, well, just you know it's kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll probably <laughs> do it if I'm invited, but you know, when I only have a forty yard pen and even that, you know it's like I gotta get my trifocals on you know, and all you young guys are there. And, lopping them right in the 10 ring at 70 yards i'm like oh man this is gonna take a lot of arrows to get through this course <laughs> the good uh, part yeah. is uh, all the crew that i'm hunting or shooting with they walk up pull their arrow out of the target and then they spend the rest of the time helping me find my arrow lost in the woods back there somewhere so it's
1: good to have so, good to have help yeah. no that's what we yeah. We're we're planning on going to Park City to the Total Tree Challenge, and then that's the weekend Mm -hmm. before the Big Sky. And then we were planning on doing a, a little family vacation, leaving Park City and going up through Yellowstone and up to Glacier and then back to Big Sky. In fact, cool. we uh, just last week before I left for the Hunter Games event, I uh, reserved a couple nights in a campground just uh, just outside of Gardner so we could access
0: Yellowstone from the
1: north entrance.
0: But um, I'm uh, pretty yeah. sure we won't be staying, staying there in a moment. I think you'll be punting on that one. I got a yeah. lot of room in my backyard. And if Damn. I'm not in town, you guys can have my house for the week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
1: no. uh, we actually uh, we're going to take a little trip. We hit the west side of Glacier a few years ago and we're going to try to hit the east side of Glacier this summer.
0: And okay, do some hiking. And well, looking around, I'm I will have shot my bow before the total archery challenge. I I can assure you that. So, okay. I'm not not saying I'll be any better, but no, I <laughs> All of, i'll have taken up my summer practice actually tomorrow is the start of my summer practice i can't believe june 18th that's how long it's taken me this year to get in summer mode that's i'm gonna pay for this cory i've i've got a wyoming general elk tag and bo says we're the the spot he thinks is best for his llamas for forage and water and everything is 12 miles in I'm like bo i need a horse then wow yeah so i don't know i'm trying to convince him to go to my spot but he's he's like no the horse guys will be in there there's too much water there we got to go to this spot oh man (laughs) llamas don't need that much water these horse guys they they're gonna hunt that like crazy we're gonna be over here i'm like all right i'm i'm open to anything so but i better get my button gear so those of you who are listening who haven't started your, uh, summer workout plan. Uh, welcome to the back of the line with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it's, it's not a good line to be in the back of, but no, the good news is not. the line is the line is moving and, yeah. uh, you'll be, you'll be fine if
0: you start now. Yeah. So but I don't wait any five, longer. I did spend five days hiking around black bear hunting in Montana. Does that count for anything? Absolutely. I worked. I worked up a pretty good lather on some of those hikes, so yep. I guess that was kind of a like the preseason. But are you done looking for shed antlers now? I am done. Yep. Okay. Yeah, the grass was too tall, and rattlesnakes oh. are out, and all sorts of excuses. Mm-hmm. Did you see the one guy sent us a question? Do you wear uh, snake gaiters when you're out hunting?
1: Uh, I do not. And I I I just avoid snake areas when I'm elk hunting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, quarry and the snakes are not uh, known to get along real well. No, I'm I'm not a fan. I was surprised that when we went to New Mexico, we didn't run into one. That was one of the few hunts I've done in New Mexico where I haven't run into a rattlesnake. So, Hmm. but... So, someone else asked the question, uh, does a bull elk taste elkier than a cow elk? And uh, he said that he shot a bull in, I think, September, and then he shot a cow in the fourth rifle season. Oh, no, the bull he shot in the first rifle season of October, the cow in the fourth rifle season of November. Uh, he thought maybe it was because he'd left too much evidence of sex on there and it might have tainted the meat. Uh, Does bull elk taste elkier than cow? Well, the first kind of humorous answer is if you don't remove that evidence of sex before you throw it on the grill, yeah, it probably does. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm pretty sure he removed that before. I would (laughs) hope so. (laughs) 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 go ahead, ahead. You, you
1: go no, i was just gonna say okay <laughs> i was just gonna say you know anytime somebody starts talking about gamey elk meat my first thought that always comes to mind is they left the hide on too long and i yeah. think the only time i've ever tasted elk meat that tastes gamey whether it's a A rutting mature bull, whether it's a calf elk, no matter what, if you leave that hide on and don't let that meat cool quickly, uh, you're probably risking the meat tasting gamey. So I would Mm. say that, you know, cows and bulls, I really can't tell a big difference between. Between the meat, there'll be, you know, an older bull might be a little bit tougher, an older cow might be a little tougher, whereas a spike's going to be more tender. But as far as the flavor, that gamey flavor, I, I can't think of any time that I've tasted gamey elk meat when the hide wasn't left on too long.
0: Yeah. Well, now that I read further into this person's email, they say, Is it likely that leaving too much evidence of sex, everything, including skin on, attached, contributed to the flavor of the bull. Sounds like if he left the skin on, you just had a parallel comment to what could have been his experience then. If yeah. I'm reading this, yeah, if they, right,
1: left, said, they left the hide on, that would definitely definitely contribute okay. to it, I would say.
0: All right, well, there you have it. I've, I've got, I'm trying to think if I have ever had a bad elk. I don't know that I have. Yeah, you, know, you hear about it. Oh boy, well, that thing! Da da da. You know, like you said, I've had a few that seemed a little bit tougher, but flavor-wise, I don't know that I've ever had a bad elk. Yeah. So, but. Oh, let's see. I think we've just about plowed through most of the questions that came in from the last podcast. We we didn't address some of them directly, but we addressed some of them with our storytelling and long-winded <laughs> sideways BS here. So, uh, uh, Someone wanted to correct me that the only difference between a weed and a plant is intent. Uh <laughs> I'm not sure what they meant by that, but uh what was the context of that one? The 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 guy says, Hey Randy, thinking about your feed discussions from the prior two episodes, I'll share I thought I'd share a theory with you. My theory is the only difference between a weed and a plant is intent. I intend to find the plants elk are wanting to eat when I'm out in the woods. Hmm. I seem to only find the weeds they're not interested in. <laughs> uh, okay. So <clears throat> there actually is some science to it. And uh, so did I tell you about this new app on my phone for identifying plants? No. What, what did you I, get? I, So I get nothing for saying this. There's an app called Picture This you go <laughs> I've, I've had no. it for over a, i've had it for two years what yeah i was so excited i downloaded it the other day i'm like holy cow would you look at this instead of me yeah, walking around I'm... with uh, why didn't you not tell me about it? here i thought <laughs> why, i was gonna i can't
1: <sighs> believe dale didn't tell you about it because when dale hunted with us a couple of years ago i had that thing out like crazy trying to find stuff that was edible out there. And that's no a cool way. thing. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, when I say edible, I mean for human, not for elk. But yeah, I hadn't even thought about using that to identify feed the
0: elk are using. That's, see? Well, that's what I use They're going to be using it for because, yeah. You know, I, I, I go through all these botanist web pages and Wikipedia, you know, dot, dot, dot whatever. Latin name it is and so I take screenshots of that plant and I've got them on my phone I'm like okay yeah that's exactly this is what I'm looking for a lot of times I'm going to places I've never been to. So I don't know what half the plant most, I don't know what most of the plants are. (laughs) So I find out that there's this app out there and I've been experimenting with it. It's like, I know every one of my wife's exotic plants she's got in the house now and stuff. I'm like, I can't even wait to get out there and I'm, I'm going to find this food source. So uh, this guy sends his email and he says he just finds weeds. that's the whole idea. Get rid of the weeds, sort out the weeds and find the food, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> so, but no, the interesting part as I continue to nerd out is just how the Forbes are going to be so hard to find in hunting season and why they switch to grasses and how all grasses are not created equal. That's, I think I'm going to have to do an article. All grasses are not created equal. Yep. But, then people think I know what I'm talking about. Then they'll really don't. start asking you questions. Yeah. <laughs> they'll be like, wait a second, Newberg. That, that's BS. <laughs> Some botanist <laughs> will get out in here and they'll be like, hold on. No, Newberg. So, but, oh, well. Uh, we just launched Outdoor Class. I see. I shouldn't say we. Outdoor Class just launched and they asked us to each do a module. Uh, hopefully people saw that. It got yeah. launched the other day. <clears throat> We got Remy Warren doing meal deer. You doing elk calling. Did you, is that what it was? I, I'm, yeah, I'm calling. Be... And
1: it's all things calling. Like not just, it's how to use calls. It's tactics and strategies for calling. It's understanding the, you know, the psychology of elk and why they respond to calls. So it's a pretty pretty deep look in all things mm-hmm. calling related. And then once you know it's peak i think we call it calling elk in the pre-rut and peak rut and then uh everything that happens from that point on you cover in in your course on the
0: outdoor class yeah i've i've never done as much depth and detail about rifle elk hunting as i did for that module for the for outdoor class that's that's probably the deepest I've ever got into some of that stuff but I still feel like it's not as deep as I want it to be so I've told them I'll do another one when I get off the road this fall that gets into yeah I guess even more nerded out and uh, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes and then Jamie Teagan from Birch Barrel a world-class chef she did wall game cooking and then they've John Barclow has been on our podcast many times. He's doing his module or his course on wilderness survival. I got I a whole bunch of people for lined that up. One. Yeah, you yeah. know yeah, he's that guy. Is he's got lots of goodies. That those will be nuggets for sure. So if you're interested, folks, go to outdoorclass.com. Sign up. Use promo code Elk and they'll give you 20% off. as the the standard. Right, did we let anyone pay retail for anything, Corey? Try not to. No. Yeah, don't, don't I think pay I've retail. mentioned
1: it before, but I'll just start I'll I'll walk into a place and say, Hey, do you uh, do you have promo code Randy here? And <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't, let me know. I mean, it, I, well it doesn't work. work at Chick fil A, I found that out. <laughs> Uh, But you'd you'd be amazed at some uh, of the places that it does work that I thought I was just going to be joking, and they're like, yeah, that works. (laughs) 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 Uh,
0: I can see going down to the Ford dealership, hey, promo code Randy work on these trucks down there. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Well, it's worth a try. I mean. That's exactly right. You know, there's a lot of retailers who, they don't even know what promo code, they have out there. They're like, oh yeah, that's a promo code. We'll take that. Yeah. So you never know yeah, how much. How much discount did you say it was? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> I don't know. Ten, twenty percent. I can't remember. Some, somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I hope people give us a bunch more comments because this time of year is when we start getting fewer comments. So if you want feedback uh, or if, if uh, folks want their question to be heard, there's a way greater chance it'll get selected in the off season because we get a lower volume of comments. So yeah. but, So you want to know the little tidbit I learned the other day? I, I did, do. I, I can't believe I was so ignorant about this, but uh, back in 2000, so 22 years ago, Uh, international paper company down in Tennessee was going to sell 74,000 acres and, uh, it was going to go into private hands in a partnership that included the nature conservancy, the Rocky mountain elk foundation and the Doris Duke charitable fund and the conservation fund. They got together and they bought that. So they did it in a series of transactions. So by 2003, they bought that 74,000 acres and turned it over to the Tennessee Wildlife Resources. And it is now a wildlife management area. Uh, in It's called the North Cumberland Wildlife Management Area. And since then... The Tennessee Wildlife Resources has added another forty thousand acres in two thousand eight, and then I'm trying to remember when the last purchase was. Uh, they they did one more purchase, I think, in twenty nineteen. That now it's over 200,000 acre wildlife management area in Tennessee. And you folks from Tennessee listening are probably like, oh yeah, we know about that. (laughs) I just didn't, uh, I I didn't know it existed. And for me, 200,000 acres is like monstrous. I think of the West when I think of that. I don't think of Tennessee. Yeah, that's insane. uh, Yeah. So uh, that's just an example of one of the things Your donations and your membership and your time to the Rocky Mountain Oaks Foundation does. And uh, I just thought that was a remarkable one. I can't believe it's 22 years went by before I stumbled across it and started reading the history of who all was involved. I'm like, huh, I feel pretty stupid right now. But so 1.4 million acres of new and improved access is. Uh, what the elk foundation and their partners say i always want to make sure to mention you know and partners because they do this collaboratively like in this one with other groups yeah. uh and they turn them over to like this one they turned over to tennessee wildlife resources or they turn it over to the blm or to the forest service or your state agency and so helps all of us so go to rmef.org and become a member of the rocky mountain elk foundation if you are not already, and if you are Upgrade. What the heck? Absolutely. Yeah, and quarry it, 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 guarantees you'll kill more elk.
1: Yep, if you remember you know, to fire uh, up. Well, and just uh, just adding on to that, I actually spent last weekend in Michigan, and oh, got yeah. to see firsthand some of the efforts of you know reintroduction and habitat improvement and access and everything there. And Michigan's not a state that you you think of when you think of big elk. Uh, but I had my hands on a 433-inch bull and what? Uh, another 417-inch bull that came out of Michigan. So, Whoa. Was, uh, so yeah, after seeing that, I'm, I think I'm going to have to start petitioning that they start giving non-resident elk tags there because right now they just have, I think last year they had 300 elk tags that were for resident only, and uh, only 30 of those were for bull tags. The rest of them were for antlerless, but... Wow, uh, cool things! I mean, you go back; you got Michigan, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina. I mean, just all these Virginia, places where there, yeah. where there are elks. Yeah, and then you hear about seventy-three thousand acres in a place like Tennessee that you would never imagine there would be that much public access, and yeah. uh, just more reasons than ever before to to be a member of the Elk Foundation.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm hoping they'll let the cat out of the bag on this next one. They're gonna be uh doing some fundraising for a big acquisition uh in Wyoming. They already helped with one that we found out about earlier this spring. I think it's thirty four thousand acres southwest of Casper, Army F and a bunch of groups, again partners, all leverage their money together, bought a ranch and turned it over to the BLM. Uh but there's another one where kind of all the I, I don't want to say where the corner crossing case in Wyoming is happening. But in that general vicinity where there's a lot of checkerboard, uh, they have a project that they're getting ready to start doing fundraising for uh, that's going to help solve a decent chunk of uh, checkerboard and isolated stuff. So I told them, hey, let us know when that's when you're putting the the press on there, because we want to let our audience know contribute do what you can because uh, that's how it gets solved you know uh, going on facebook and complaining about access that makes us feel better but it doesn't create more access (laughs) so uh I don't even know if going on Facebook and complaining makes sense. Uh, I was just going to say. Yeah. I, what, what, what was I thinking to even say that, Corey? That, that's a, that's a um, weak moment of stupidity there. But, uh, so. Well, what else we got? Anything? I think we've covered most of the questions I had, all the emails I had pulled up here. Yep, no,
1: I can't I mean there's always stuff to discuss, but I think uh we're good for this one. Colorado's gonna be my focus here for the next little bit, so I'll definitely uh share as I dive into some of the detailed e scouting what I'm what
0: I'm doing with gas yeah. prices
1: the way they are. I don't think I'm gonna make it down for a scouting <clears> trip <throat> before season. So
0: Yeah, I I think if ever there's a year that it emphasizes the value and importance of e-scouting it's when gas is five bucks a gallon or yeah. some listeners it's over six bucks a gallon Man. oof, yikes so you have an idaho elk tag and a colorado elk tag this year as of right now yep yeah i have montana and wyoming both general tags but i'm sure when you give your idaho results i'm going to be that one out of a hundred guys who draws that premium rifle elk tag. And I, I this is my year. I'm sure I'm counting
1: on that phone call.
0: Yeah. You know, you always focus on the, Hey, I have a 1% chance. I think we've conditioned ourselves not to realize that 99 times out of a hundred, you aren't going to draw. So Randy, guess what? It's going to be like 20, the year 21, 15 before you statistically probably should draw that tag. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, There'll be so much moss on my headstone by that time. uh, uh, But oh well, I've got other friends with tags who let me tag along and be camp cook and stuff like that. So I'll have more of my share of things to do this fall. But. Well, Corey, I'm no. going to let you go. It's supposed to be 90 degrees here in Bozeman today. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm not going outside for a hike until yeah. 7 o'clock. I'll That's go a too 7. hot. That's yeah, too much. I, I'm not 90 degrees. I, I'm not made for that. So, you know. But, but anyhow, yeah, you, okay. you, well, hey, you have a great day, Corey. You and, do the uh, same. And- hopefully, listeners will go to elktalkpodcast.com. Right? And give us questions? Yep. I always gotta ask you because I I have too many domain names and I always forget what they are. So you
1: have anything just go to Elktalkpodcast.com, click on the contact us link and send us a comment, question, concern, critique. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it love. is. Yeah. Yeah. And are they supposed to are they supposed to like give us a good rating on iTunes, other podcasts I, mean, that I listen to, they always say, "Hi, oh, I would sure appreciate your positive feedback and uh, a thumbs up on
0: iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts yeah so I, they never, tell us we never beg for that kind of stuff no they tell us that like on my youtube channel the crew is like make sure and ask them to subscribe i'm not going to ask people to subscribe if they want to subscribe they'll subscribe if they want to leave me a positive comment they'll leave me a positive comment and <laughs> i don't know like there's a reason i'm so bad at marketing and selling i'm oh well that's <laughs> just the way i am so, but if if Corey wants to make the request for you to leave us a positive review, I'm I'm all game with that. No, no Perfect. harm in that. So, but uh, and then I just want to make sure that nobody misses out on your University of Elk Gunning sweepstakes. You know, that's uh, when you're giving away that much in prizes. You know, some people can have a long face when they realize they didn't get their name in the hat. So, yep, yeah, no purchase necessary either. So what uh, yeah no purchase necessary
1: well how do but, you get subscribers if you
0: don't <laughs> <force> <laughs> no, I them say, to- but,
1: but if you do subscribe to the university of El online course or if you're already a member then uh your your odds go up
0: okay yeah that's kind of that legal thing right you got to give everyone at least one free entry mm-hmm. and then, okay yeah huh. so they well, can just go there, there and get their emotion. entry and, yeah now you're going to get 40,001 free entries. You know what? That's, uh, that's just great. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well, There you have it, folks. Go to elk101.com. Hopefully, you'll sign up and get all that good information like Corey's going to give me, and you'll use promo code elk talk and save some money. Absolutely. All right, Corey. You have a great day. You too. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for being here, folks.